section sixteen of appreciations with an essay on style this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by martin geeson appreciations by walter pater postscript Aine de palaion men oinon, ansea de hymnon neoteron. Note. Translation. Praise wine for its age, but the song in first bloom. Pindar, Odes, Book Olympian, Poem 9, Line 47. The words classical and romantic although like many other critical expressions sometimes abused by those who have understood them too vaguely or too absolutely yet define two real tendencies in the history of art and literature used in an exaggerated sense to express a greater opposition between those tendencies than really exists they have at times tended to divide people of taste into opposite camps but in that house beautiful which the creative minds of all generations the artists and those who have treated life in the spirit of art are always building together for the refreshment of the human spirit these oppositions cease and the interpreter of the house beautiful the true aesthetic critic uses these divisions only so far as they enable him to enter into the peculiarities of the objects with which he has to do the term classical fixed as it is to a well-defined literature and a well-defined group in art is clear indeed but then it has often been used in a hard and merely scholastic sense by the praisers of what is old and accustomed at the expense of what is new by critics who would never have discovered for themselves the charm of any work whether new or old who value what is old in art or literature for its accessories and chiefly for the conventional authority that has gathered about it people who would never really have been made glad by any venus fresh risen from the sea and who praise the venus of old greece and rome only because they fancy her grown now into something staid and tame and as the term classical has been used in too absolute and therefore in a misleading sense so the term romantic has been used much too vaguely in various accidental senses the sense in which scott is called a romantic writer is chiefly this that in opposition to the literary tradition of the last century he loved strange adventure and sought it in the middle age much later in a yorkshire village the spirit of romanticism bore a more really characteristic fruit in the work of a young girl emily bronte the romance of wuthering heights 
the figures of harriton earnshaw of catherine linton and of heathcliff tearing open catherine's grave removing one side of her coffin that he may really lie beside her in death figures so passionate yet woven on a background of delicately beautiful moorland scenery being typical examples of that spirit in germany again that spirit is shown less in tieck its professional representative than in meinhold the author of sidonia the sorceress and the amber witch in germany and france within the last hundred years the term has been used to describe a particular school of writers and consequently when heine criticizes the romantic school in germany that movement which culminated in goethe's goetz von berlichingen or when theophile gautier criticizes the romantic movement in france where indeed it bore its most characteristic fruits and its play is hardly yet over where by a certain audacity or bizarrerie of motive united with faultless literary execution it still shows itself in imaginative literature they use the word with an exact sense of special artistic qualities indeed but use it nevertheless with a limited application to the manifestation of those qualities at a particular period but the romantic spirit is in reality an ever-present an enduring principle in the artistic temperament and the qualities of thought and style which that and other similar uses of the word romantic really indicate are indeed but symptoms of a very continuous and widely working influence though the words classical and romantic then have acquired an almost technical meaning in application to certain developments of german and french taste yet this is but one variation of an old opposition which may be traced from the very beginning of the formation of european art and literature from the first formation of anything like a standard of taste in these things the restless curiosity of their more eager lovers necessarily made itself felt in the craving for new motives new subjects of interest new modifications of style hence the opposition between the classicists and the romanticists between the adherents in the culture of beauty of the principles of liberty and authority respectively of strength and order or what the greeks called cosmiotes footnote little and scott definition propriety decorum orderly behaviour sainte beuve in the third volume of the causerie du lundi has discussed the question what is meant by a classic it was a question he was well fitted to answer having himself lived through many phases of taste and having been in earlier life an enthusiastic member of the romantic school he was also a great master of that sort of philosophy of literature which delights in tracing traditions in it 
and the way in which various phases of thought and sentiment maintain themselves through successive modifications from epoch to epoch his aim then is to give the word classic a wider and as he says a more generous sense than it commonly bears to make it expressly grandiose et flottant and in doing this he develops in a masterly manner those qualities of measure purity temperance of which it is the especial function of classical art and literature whatever meaning narrower or wider we attach to the term to take care the charm therefore of what is classical in art or literature is that of the well-known tale to which we can nevertheless listen over and over again because it is told so well to the absolute beauty of its artistic form is added the accidental tranquil charm of familiarity there are times indeed at which these charms fail to work on our spirits at all because they fail to excite us romanticism says stendhal is the art of presenting to people the literary works which in the actual state of their habits and beliefs are capable of giving them the greatest possible pleasure classicism on the contrary of presenting them with that which gave the greatest possible pleasure to their grandfathers but then beneath all changes of habits and beliefs our love of that mere abstract proportion of music which what is classical in literature possesses still maintains itself in the best of us and what pleased our grandparents may at least tranquillize us the classic comes to us out of the cool and quiet of other times as the measure of what a long experience has shown will at least never displease us and in the classical literature of greece and rome as in the classics of the last century the essentially classical element is that quality of order in beauty which they possess indeed in a pre-eminent degree and which impresses some minds to the exclusion of everything else in them it is the addition of strangeness to beauty that constitutes the romantic character in art and the desire of beauty being a fixed element in every artistic organization it is the addition of curiosity to this desire of beauty that constitutes the romantic temper curiosity and the desire of beauty have each their place in art as in all true criticism when one's curiosity is deficient when one is not eager enough for new impressions and new pleasures one is liable to value mere academical proprieties too highly to be satisfied with worn-out or conventional types with the insipid ornament of racine or the prettiness of that later greek sculpture which passed so long for true hellenic work to miss those places where the handiwork of nature or of the artist 
has been most cunning to find the most stimulating products of art a mere irritation and when one's curiosity is in excess when it overbalances the desire of beauty then one is liable to value in works of art what is inartistic in them to be satisfied with what is exaggerated in art with productions like some of those of the romantic school in germany not to distinguish jealously enough between what is admirably done and what is done not quite so well in the writings for instance of jean-paul and if i had to give instances of these defects then i should say that pope in common with the age of literature to which he belonged had too little curiosity so that there is always a certain insipidity in the effect of his work exquisite as it is and coming down to our own time that balzac had an excess of curiosity curiosity not duly tempered with the desire of beauty but however falsely these two tendencies may be opposed by critics or exaggerated by artists themselves they are tendencies really at work at all times in art moulding it with the balance sometimes a little on one side sometimes a little on the other generating respectively as the balance inclines on this side or that two principles two traditions in art and in literature so far as it partakes of the spirit of art if there is a great overbalance of curiosity then we have the grotesque in art if the union of strangeness and beauty under very difficult and complex conditions be a successful one if the union be entire then the resultant beauty is very exquisite very attractive with a passionate care for beauty the romantic spirit refuses to have it unless the condition of strangeness be first fulfilled its desire is for a beauty born of unlikely elements by a profound alchemy by a difficult initiation by the charm which wrings it even out of terrible things and a trace of distortion of the grotesque may perhaps linger as an additional element of expression about its ultimate grace its eager excited spirit will have strength the grotesque first of all the trees shrieking as you tear off the leaves for jean valjean the long years of convict life for red gauntlet the quicksands of solway moss then incorporate with this strangeness and intensified by restraint as much sweetness as much beauty as is compatible with that energique frais et dispo these according to sainte beuve are the characteristics of a genuine classic les ouvrages anciens ne sont pas classiques parce qu'ils sont vieux mais parce qu'ils sont énergiques frais et dispos energy freshness intelligent and masterly disposition 
these are characteristics of victor hugo when his alchemy is complete in certain figures like marius and cosette in certain scenes like that in the opening of les travailleurs de la mer when deruchette writes the name of gilliatt in the snow on christmas morning but always there is a certain note of strangeness discernible there as well the essential elements then of the romantic spirit are curiosity and the love of beauty and it is only as an illustration of these qualities that it seeks the middle age because in the overcharged atmosphere of the middle age there are unworked sources of romantic effect of a strange beauty to be won by strong imagination out of things unlikely or remote few probably now read madame de stael's de l'allemagne though it has its interest the interest which never quite fades out of work really touched with the enthusiasm of the spiritual adventurer the pioneer in culture it was published in eighteen ten to introduce to french readers a new school of writers the romantic school from beyond the rhine and it was followed twenty-three years later by heine's romantische schule as at once a supplement and a correction both these books then connect romanticism with germany with the names especially of goethe and tieck and to many english readers the idea of romanticism is still inseparably connected with germany that germany which in its quaint old towns under the spire of strasbourg or the towers of heidelberg was always listening in rapt inaction to the melodious fascinating voices of the middle age and which now that it has got strasbourg back again has i suppose almost ceased to exist but neither germany with its goethe and tieck nor england with its byron and scott is nearly so representative of the romantic temper as france with murger and gautier and victor hugo it is in french literature that its most characteristic expression is to be found and that as most closely derivative historically from such peculiar conditions as ever reinforce it to the utmost for although temperament has much to do with the generation of the romantic spirit and although this spirit with its curiosity its thirst for a curious beauty may be always traceable in excellent art traceable even in sophocles yet still in a limited sense it may be said to be a product of special epochs outbreaks of this spirit that is come naturally with particular periods times when in men's approaches towards art and poetry curiosity may be noticed to take the lead when men come to art and poetry with a deep thirst for intellectual excitement after a long ennui or in reaction against the strain of outward practical things 
in the later middle age for instance so that medieval poetry centering in dante is often opposed to greek and roman poetry as romantic poetry to the classical what the romanticism of dante is may be estimated if we compare the lines in which virgil describes the hazel wood from whose broken twigs flows the blood of polydorus not without the expression of a real shudder at the ghastly incident with the whole canto of the inferno into which dante has expanded them beautifying and softening it meanwhile by a sentiment of profound pity and it is especially in that period of intellectual disturbance immediately preceding dante amid which the romance languages define themselves at last that this temper is manifested here in the literature of provence the very name of romanticism is stamped with its true signification here we have indeed a romantic world grotesque even in the strength of its passions almost insane in its curious expression of them drawing all things into its sphere making the birds nay lifeless things its voices and messengers yet so penetrated with the desire for beauty and sweetness that it begets a wholly new species of poetry in which the renaissance may be said to begin the last century was pre-eminently a classical age an age in which for art and literature the element of a comely order was in the ascendant which passing away left a hard battle to be fought between the classical and the romantic schools yet it is in the heart of this century of goldsmith and stottard of watteau and the siècle de louis xiv in one of its central if not most characteristic figures in rousseau that the modern or french romanticism really originates but what in the eighteenth century is but an exceptional phenomenon breaking through its fair reserve and discretion only at rare intervals is the habitual guise of the nineteenth breaking through it perpetually with a feverishness an incomprehensible straining and excitement which all experience to some degree but yearning also in the genuine children of the romantic school to be energique frais et dispo for those qualities of energy freshness comely order and often in murger in gautier in victor hugo for instance with singular felicity attaining them it is in the terrible tragedy of rousseau in fact that french romanticism with much else begins reading his confessions we seem actually to assist at the birth of this new strong spirit in the french mind the wildness which has shocked so many and the fascination which has influenced almost every one in the squalid yet eloquent figure we see and hear so clearly in that book 
wandering under the apple blossoms and among the vines of neuchatel or vevey actually give it the quality of a very successful romantic invention his strangeness or distortion his profound subjectivity his passionateness the cor laceratum rousseau makes all men in love with these je ne suis fait comme aucun de ceux que j'ai su mais si je ne vaux pas mieux au moins je suis autre i am not made like any one else i have ever known yet if i am not better at least i am different these words from the first page of the confessions anticipate all the werthers renés Ubermans of the last hundred years for rousseau did but anticipate a trouble in the spirit of the whole world and thirty years afterwards what in him was a peculiarity became part of the general consciousness a storm was coming rousseau with others felt it in the air and they helped to bring it down they introduced a disturbing element into french literature then so trim and formal like our own literature of the age of queen anne in eighteen fifteen the storm had come and gone but had left in the spirit of young france the ennui of an immense disillusion in the last chapter of edgar quinet's revolution francaise a work itself full of irony of disillusion he distinguishes two books senancourt's Aubermann and chateaubriand's genie du christianisme as characteristic of the first decade of the present century in those two books we detect already the disease and the cure in Aubermann, the irony refined into a plaintive philosophy of indifference in chateaubriand's genie du christianisme the refuge from a tarnished actual present a present of disillusion into a world of strength and beauty in the middle age as at an earlier period in rené and atala into the free play of them in savage life it is to minds in this spiritual situation weary of the present but yearning for the spectacle of beauty and strength that the works of french romanticism appeal they set a positive value on the intense the exceptional and a certain distortion is sometimes noticeable in them as in conceptions like victor hugo's casimodo or gwynplaine something of a terrible grotesque of the macabre as the french themselves call it though always combined with perfect literary execution as in gautier's la morte amoureuse or the scene of the maimed burial rites of the player dead of the frost in his capitaine fracasse true flowers of the yew it becomes grim humour in victor hugo's combat of gilliatt with the devil-fish or the incident with all its ghastly comedy drawn out at length 
of the great gun detached from its fastenings on shipboard in quatre-vingt-treize perhaps the most terrible of all the accidents that can happen by sea and in the entire episode in that book of the convention not less surely does it reach a genuine pathos for the habit of noting and distinguishing one's own most intimate passages of sentiment makes one sympathetic begetting as it must the power of entering by all sorts of finer ways into the intimate recesses of other minds so that pity is another quality of romanticism both victor hugo and gautier being great lovers of animals and charming writers about them and murger being unrivalled in the pathos of his scene de la vie de jeunesse penetrating so finely into all situations which appeal to pity above all into the special or exceptional phases of such feeling the romantic humour is not afraid of the quaintness or singularity of its circumstances or expression pity indeed being of the essence of humour so that victor hugo does but turn his romanticism into practice in his hunger and thirst after practical justice a justice which shall no longer wrong children or animals for instance by ignoring in a stupid mere breadth of view minute facts about them yet the romanticists are antinomian too sometimes because the love of energy and beauty of distinction in passion tended naturally to become a little bizarre plunging into middle age into the secrets of old italian story are we in the inferno we are tempted to ask wondering at something malign in so much beauty for over all a care for the refreshment of the human spirit by fine art manifests itself a predominant sense of literary charm so that in their search for the secret of exquisite expression the romantic school went back to the forgotten world of early french poetry and literature itself became the most delicate of the arts like goldsmith's work says sainte beuve of bertrand's gaspard de la nuit and that peculiarly french gift the gift of exquisite speech argute loqui attained in them a perfection which it had never seen before stendhal a writer whom i have already quoted and of whom english readers might well know much more than they do stands between the earlier and later growths of the romantic spirit his novels are rich in romantic quality and his other writings partly criticism partly personal reminiscences are a very curious and interesting illustration of the needs out of which romanticism arose in his book on racine and shakespeare stendhal argues that all good art was romantic in its day and this is perhaps true in stendhal's sense 
that little treatise full of dry light and fertile ideas was published in the year eighteen twenty three and its object is to defend an entire independence and liberty in the choice and treatment of subject both in art and literature against those who upheld the exclusive authority of precedent in pleading the cause of romanticism therefore it is the novelty both of form and of motive in writings like the hernani of victor hugo which soon followed it raising a storm of criticism that he is chiefly concerned to justify to be interesting and really stimulating to keep us from yawning even art and literature must follow the subtle movements of that nimbly shifting time spirit or zeitgeist understood by french not less than by german criticism which is always modifying men's taste as it modifies their manners and their pleasures this he contends is what all great workmen had always understood dante shakespeare moliere had exercised an absolute independence in their choice of subject and treatment to turn always with that ever-changing spirit yet to retain the flavour of what was admirably done in past generations in the classics as we say is the problem of true romanticism dante he observes was pre-eminently the romantic poet he adored virgil yet he wrote the divine comedy with the episode of ugolino which is as unlike the aeneid as can possibly be and those who thus obey the fundamental principle of romanticism one by one become classical and are joined to that ever-increasing common league formed by men of all countries to approach nearer and nearer to perfection romanticism then although it has its epochs is in its essential characteristics rather a spirit which shows itself at all times in various degrees in individual workmen and their work and the amount of which criticism has to estimate in them taken one by one than the peculiarity of a time or a school depending on the varying proportion of curiosity and the desire of beauty natural tendencies of the artistic spirit at all times it must always be partly a matter of individual temperament the eighteenth century in england has been regarded as almost exclusively a classical period yet william blake a type of so much which breaks through what are conventionally thought the influences of that century is still a noticeable phenomenon in it and the reaction in favour of naturalism in poetry begins in that century early there are thus the born romanticists and the born classicists there are the born classicists who start with form to whose minds the comeliness of the old immemorial well-recognised types in art and literature have revealed themselves impressively 
who will entertain no matter which will not go easily and flexibly into them whose work aspires only to be a variation upon or study from the older masters tis art's decline my son they are always saying to the progressive element in their own generation to those who care for that which in fifty years time every one will be caring for on the other hand there are the born romanticists who start with an original untried matter still in fusion who conceive this vividly and hold by it as the essence of their work who by the very vividness and heat of their conception purge away sooner or later all that is not organically appropriate to it till the whole effect adjusts itself in clear orderly proportionate form which form after a very little time becomes classical in its turn the romantic or classical character of a picture a poem a literary work depends then on the balance of certain qualities in it and in this sense a very real distinction may be drawn between good classical and good romantic work but all critical terms are relative and there is at least a valuable suggestion in that theory of Stendhal's that all good art was romantic in its day in the beauties of homer and phidias quiet as they now seem there must have been for those who confronted them for the first time excitement and surprise the sudden unforeseen satisfaction of the desire of beauty yet the odyssey with its marvellous adventure is more romantic than the iliad which nevertheless contains among many other romantic episodes that of the immortal horses of achilles who weep at the death of patroclus aeschylus is more romantic than sophocles whose philoctetes were it written now might figure for the strangeness of its motive and the perfectness of its execution as typically romantic while of euripides it may be said that his method in writing his plays is to sacrifice readily almost everything else so that he may attain the fullness of a single romantic effect these two tendencies indeed might be applied as a measure or standard all through greek and roman art and poetry with very illuminating results and for an analyst of the romantic principle in art no exercise would be more profitable than to walk through the collection of classical antiquities at the louvre or the british museum or to examine some representative collection of greek coins and notice how the element of curiosity or the love of strangeness insinuates itself into classical design and record the effects of the romantic spirit there the traces of struggle of the grotesque even though overbalanced here by sweetness as in the sculpture of chartres and reims the real sweetness of mind in the sculptor is often overbalanced by the grotesque by the rudeness of his strength 
classicism then means for stendhal for that younger enthusiastic band of french writers whose unconscious method he formulated into principles the reign of what is pedantic conventional and narrowly academical in art for him all good art is romantic to sainte beuve who understands the term in a more liberal sense it is the characteristic of certain epochs of certain spirits in every epoch not given to the exercise of original imagination but rather to the working out of refinements of manner on some authorised matter and who bring to their perfection in this way the elements of sanity of order and beauty in manner in general criticism again it means the spirit of greece and rome of some phases in literature and art that may seem of equal authority with greece and rome the age of louis the fourteenth the age of johnson though this is at best an uncritical use of the term because in greek and roman work there are typical examples of the romantic spirit but explain the terms as we may in application to particular epochs there are these two elements always recognisable united in perfect art in sophocles in dante in the highest work of goethe though not always absolutely balanced there and these two elements may be not inappropriately termed the classical and romantic tendencies material for the artist motives of inspiration are not yet exhausted our curious complex aspiring age still abounds in subjects for aesthetic manipulation by the literary as well as by other forms of art for the literary art at all events the problem just now is to induce order upon the contorted proportionless accumulation of our knowledge and experience our science and history our hopes and disillusion and in effecting this to do consciously what has been done hitherto for the most part too unconsciously to write our english language as the latins wrote theirs as the french write as scholars should write appealing as he may to precedent in this matter the scholar will still remember that if the style is the man it is also the age that the nineteenth century too will be found to have had its style justified by necessity a style very different alike from the baldness of an impossible queen anne revival and an incorrect incondite exuberance after the mode of elizabeth that we can only return to either at the price of an impoverishment of form or matter or both although an intellectually rich age such as ours being necessarily an eclectic one we may well cultivate some of the excellences of literary types so different as those 
that in literature as in other matters it is well to unite as many diverse elements as may be that the individual writer or artist certainly is to be estimated by the number of graces he combines and his power of interpenetrating them in a given work to discriminate schools of art of literature is of course part of the obvious business of literary criticism but in the work of literary production it is easy to be overmuch occupied concerning them for in truth the legitimate contention is not of one age or school of literary art against another but of all successive schools alike against the stupidity which is dead to the substance and the vulgarity which is dead to form end of postscript read by martin geeson end of appreciations with an essay on style by walter pater